Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch and welcome to Obicast, the Chocolate Sheep Podcast. Each episode will bring you insights, advice and technical updates for the sheep industry. In this episode, we have a sheep market focus. I'm joined by Seamus McMenamin, Sheep Sector Manager with Bobia. Seamus discusses some of the growth we've seen in key markets over the past 12 months and impact that global trade patterns have on the competitiveness of Irish lamb. Seamus outlines the influence of China on the world sheep meat trade particularly in relation to New Zealand lamb exports and how that impacts the European market. We discussed the effects of Brexit on UK production levels, supply into the EU market and the impact it has on transport of Irish lamb to the continent. James discussed some potential growth in the Middle East, Asian and potentially US markets, as well as the welcomed increase in domestic retail. He outlines the importance customers place on quality assurance certification and delivering lamb to market specification. And we finish up with James discussing the outlook for sheep meat trade in 2021. We start off, however, with James reviewing some of the key highlights from the sheep meat trade during the past 12 months, the overall throughput and lamb imports from Northern Ireland. And I suppose if we, if we take a look at 2020 as a whole, sheep meat production did increase by maybe 3%. Um, there was a few things that, that sort of drove into that. There was a strong increase in the habit throughput in the first quarter of the year. Um, that was both coming from from local supplies and, and imports from from Northern Ireland, um, and then there was another peak then in throughput then in July and August. Um, both with a lot of men killing lambs uh, earlier, uh, both in response to to just sort of a strong market and good demand for the lambs. Um, one, one maybe thing that did result in that was the, a reduction in the number of heavy lambs in the in the sort of slaughter mix, and a and a half a kilo drop in the average carcass weight. So overall, our, our total kills sort of went from two point eight million up to two point nine million. Um, driven primarily by a by a, an increase in the lamb and the hogget throughput. I mean, that was despite a very very tight uh, last quarter for the for the lamb throughput, suppose just with the the earlier slaughterings. Um, and, and the other thing was then there was a five percent reduction in the yo um, in the yo throughput, which will probably um, lead to an increase in the breeding flock this year. It, it certainly it, look it wasn't by any manner of means a typical year. You mentioned there, like that earlier throughput of lamb in the beginning, of that had a carryover effect on that drop off in carcass weight. Probably more in response, maybe Seamus, to a higher price or more stable price at that time of year too. Yeah, it was. It was just a quite a strong market and um, and good demand, particularly from the export markets. Um, so so it did encourage people to sort of kill your lambs earlier, and they, they just um, there was a half a kilo drop in the average carcass weight, and then because lambs were gone out of the system, then there was a real tightening in supply. Then as we moved into the into the last quarter, now another thing that would impacted that there was a there was a notable decline in the number of lambs that were coming um, down the road from Northern Ireland as well. Um, <clears throat> I suppose they they're in a similar situation to ourselves, where they had a very strong um, throughput earlier in the year, and then there's, there was just stronger demand um, for all the lambs that were in the north, so that just reduced then the availability of lambs then for coming down the road. Um, so I think last year, I think the overall there was um, a drop in. Of just close to 20,000 in the number of lambs and hoggets that came down the road um, from Northern Ireland. But I suppose that uh, we've sort of discussed uh, the, the Northern trade is important to, to keep there. Um, you know, we, we do need it to sort of maintain throughput. Um, but I suppose it's just just um, it's just good to keep an eye on it there as to what sort of levels it's running at. It, it adds a national pull too. You, you mentioned there already, like the old kill for last year was down 5%, probably maybe a little bit of a response to more yo's been retained. It'll be interesting to see this year's census. Um, yeah. That, that drop in the north, James, I suppose we've seen some similar maybe with the more yo lambs retained than that or? There would be, 
there were more ewe lambs retained as well, and then there were higher throughput, which would sort of impacted the supply of lambs that are, are available in Northern Ireland. Um, as well as that, there's there's been um, more appetite from the processors in Northern Ireland. They're they're now killing um, more than sixty percent of the lambs being produced in Northern Ireland, and usually it would have been forty five percent or there thereabouts that they would have been they would have been killing. So there has been an increased appetite from the processors in Northern Ireland for to keep to keep their own lambs, um, and then. Uh, supplies in, in in the republic. Then I suppose the, the, there's been a few few factors that have um, featured in there, such as the earlier killing of the lambs, um, sort of in the summer. Then last year was a 53 week year, which meant that there would be an extra uh, roughly 40,000 lambs that were killed maybe in, in 2020 that usually would have been carried over. And then, the, as you mentioned, the higher your lamb retention, as I said, it's very hard to know the impact of your lamb retention or how many were. How many have been kept and there is an opportunity now with the, the quite strong prices for some of those to be released back onto the market maybe and, and go through some of the processing plans. And certainly I know some we probably touched on later on but there could be more of a demand at this time of year a lot would be tempted at that price. Look it, it is a market that's quite responsive to price changes. Last year despite maybe some dips in it it was probably one, it's one of the stronger years we've seen the impact that had, like we've seen, you mentioned that drop in carcass weight seeded, more responsive lambs being drafted earlier. How did that price hold up if you look at it over the whole year? Um, if you take the whole of 2020, the average price was was five twenty four cent a kilo. So that was um, that was nearly fifty cent a kilo ahead of 2019. Um, I suppose as we know, as you said, like lamb, the lamb market is very very responsive to supply and demand. So it's sort of important we look back at 2018 as well. Um, and the average price then was was five oh four cent a kilo, um, so you're still twenty cent a kilo ahead of that. Now, as we moved into the into twenty twenty one, the the market was particularly strong, and then it sort of came under some pressure. But it has shown recovery now, um, in the last um, in the last week or so, and it's sort of uh, encouraging maybe a few men to kill kill a few more. I think the availability has has improved a wee bit, um, just with that increase in the quotes. Like. Just if, if you have a chance to look back at it now, but what drove some of that demand? In terms of the markets, like where do we grow the share? And I know the domestic one certainly has changed slightly, and you'll you allude to that later on, but where was the growth in that, James, to push that demand? There was, I suppose there was a couple of things maybe that, that a lot of people maybe didn't didn't see coming. Um, the, the big thing was the, the EU market. Overall, there was a 3% reduction in the EU um, in the land that they produced in 2020 and then on top of that then there was a four percent decline in um, the volume of lamb that was imported into europe and um, so then this this just created a, a shortness in supply in the eu which which then we could benefit from we we obviously exported more of our, our product over and um, the the drop in imports in new zealand was sort of driven by them redirecting a lot of product into the into the chinese market in particular and, and other asian markets um, and they only used um 46% of their quota, which is which is the lowest since the since it was put in place. Um, and then to add that as well, with, with Brexit and the UK um, sort of realigning itself trade-wise, um, there was a 12% reduction in the volume of sheep meat that the UK exported to the EU last year. Um, and I think AHDB, which are the, sort of the equivalent of Board B in England, they've they've released their forecast for, for 2021 and they're forecasting that that's going to decline by another four percent. Um, uh, next year, um, so that that just creates opportunities for Irish exporters. Then on, on the EU market, we produce um, a very similar high quality product, and we're probably best placed of anyone 
um, to sort of take market share off um, uh, UK UK exporters in, in sort of our, our key EU market? Well, it is a, our export market is very sensitive to changes at a global scale. Like you mentioned, New Zealand going into China, and that tariff might come back on that again. But uh, we, you've seen growth there in a number of the EU countries over the past year. Um, yeah, look, we we've seen growth growth in the EU in particular. So we've we've grown our exports to, to some of our key key regions. So you've got Germany, Belgium, the Netherlands, Denmark, France, all increases in terms of volume volume demand. And um, the values also also increased um, to the EU. Now that would have been a key driver behind a lot of what we exported. But there was there was some growth in, in non EU markets as well. Um, Switzerland, I suppose, was one market that we were particularly successful in in in, in 2020. Um, there was some growth in what we sent to, to China, sort of indirectly, and then to Singapore. Um, um, but but there, there, there was a decline sort of in exports to other um, non-EU regions, I suppose, just on the back of COVID and, and the impact on the global market. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but the EU has been our sort of a standout, standout performance market. And as I've alluded to, there's, there's been a few reasons for that. You know, the, the, drop in, the drop in production and the drop in imports uh, and then the the fall off in UK exports, so it gave us plenty of opportunity in the, on the EU market in particular this year. Like part of that opportunity was drove by the demand in China for the past year, and that shift in New Zealand. Um, maybe just before we talk about the Chinese market slightly, like the quota for New Zealand um, post Brexit, um, we're aware they're one of the biggest exporters into that market. So they were. How has that panned out since James just refreshed the listeners? Um, well, the, the the quota for New Zealand to the EU was just split down the middle based on like past use of the tariff. So the UK would have taken about half of what the, the New Zealand would have exported to um, to Europe. So they've now got fifty percent of the quota. So it'll it'll be no real change um, in terms of um, the the amount of product available. Then for the, the remaining EU, we've just got half of what the original quota was. So their potential presence is more or less the same as where it was always going to be, but more, suppose, more or less, yeah. More, more or less. I suppose maybe what's driving or that opportunity for us is their shift in the direction their supply to China, like that has had a big impact on the global um, sheep meat trade for the year. Yeah, like the, the 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 impact of China on the on the global sheep market it can't be underestimated. And um, they've uh, they imported more than a third of all the sheep meat it traded globally in, in 2020. Um, they're they're coming off the back of uh, a decline in, in pig meat production, and you know the lack of availability of pork. So they're they're looking for their other proteins. Um, so their per capita consumption did increase. And um, now it's off a very small base, but it's a massive population. So there was um up by a percent and a half there in in, in twenty twenty one. Now there was some reports maybe of the the demand for lamb in China not being um sort of a. Uh, as strong maybe as that had been earlier in the year, um, but I suppose the latest data that we're getting from New Zealand and Australia is that their um, their exports actually formed an increase in November and December there in the run up to Chinese New Year. So there's a continuing demand for for lamb in China, and it's just about the the impact on the global market is is huge. And um, the more they take off the the global market, obviously the less there is available to come to 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 the EU. Um, I suppose the, at the minute, um, for the for the total year, um, China took about just over a half of everything that New, Ze- New Zealand exported. But I think in December it actually took more than two thirds of what um, what New Zealand exported, which I think just goes to show the the massive um, the massive impact that they have on the on the global market. Swallowing up a hell of a lot of that trade, and even maybe more opportunities for us in it. 
I think that's exactly it. They're, they're redirecting a lot of product away from the EU market, and that gives us the opportunity in, in sort of key EU markets, and that's that's sort of what's been driving the growth. Um, driving the growth. Now, obviously, <clears throat> direct access to China remains a priority for us, and it, it remains, or sorry, it was very close there just in the run up to COVID. Um, like, uh, direct access to China is um, would be very important. You know, they take a lot of... Uh, a lot of products maybe that aren't that popular on, on some of our other markets, you know, for carcass balance and things. Um, and then access to China, you know, opens up gateways into other Asian markets. Just like, and it would be an important development again, and it's important to consider not all our products are carcass are high value cuts. You need an outlet for them all in it. Yeah, car- carcass balance, I guess. Your export markets are, are very important, particularly your non-EU ones, like for, for that carcass balance and sort of try and get the, the biggest return for every part of the carcass. Like, if we're talking about markets, we have to talk about the UK. Obviously, with Brexit, there's a lot of questions up about where it goes to war, our biggest competitor in the EU market. But, Jim, it's like tariff-free trade into the UK, the impact they're going to have on their land going into the EU, how is that going to? How has it affected us? But how is it going to affect us going forward? Yeah. Um, I suppose in, in twenty twenty, the, the UK sort of um, shifted its focus um, in, in some ways towards its domestic market. I suppose to drive by some of their their big retailers towards you know buying British and, and focus on homegrown and things like that. Um, it actually meant that there was a twelve percent reduction in what they exported to the to the EU market last year. And as I've already mentioned, there's their forecast to further decline then in. In 2021, um, obviously with the the trade deal, the currently in place, they have um, they they have tariff free access to to the EU, but it doesn't really mean that their their trade's unhindered. Like there's still non tariff barriers that need to be overcome. So you know you've got your additional checks and additional time, and there's obviously costs associated with that, um, and that that just um, adds cost maybe to the UK offer and, and gives us um, an opportunity then on the on the on the UK market because their, their competitiveness is sort of being reduced somewhat. So the potential reduction in production, but that additional cost like that, just about monetary terminology, is that's going to add up? Um, it's, it's, it's very hard to put, to, put, um, to, put, to put a cost on because it really depends what you're standing and then the value of the carcass. But like you're, you're, you're chatting um, from stuff that I've seen anyway for, for Northern, I think it was like three, four percent, maybe even more was going to add to the cost of getting product into the EU market. Um, and studies that were done in the past. So it's very difficult to say the actual cost because you, because you don't know how long the delays are going to be or you know yeah. um, what, what, what level the checks are going to go to, but it, it definitely adds cost and bureaucracy and red tape that pits off um, maybe customers in the EU as much as adds cost. And look, we are talking about adding cost. Probably have to be somewhere very cognizant of at the moment too. We're heavily dependent on transport. A lot of that would have went through the UK as well. The complications of that at the moment, particularly in the light of COVID and maybe the need for negative COVID tests and getting into France and other countries, how has that impacted um, the movement of our lamb? Yeah, um, well, you'll, you'll see that there's been a shift from um, companies using sort of the direct, um, sorry, the, 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 the UK um, lamb bridge, sorry, to get to Europe, and there's been a redirection then to just use the ferries instead. Um, I think the ferries traditionally in the UK land bridge was a wee bit quicker and it was a wee bit cheaper but the companies have just sort of shifted now to using the the direct ferry access because I suppose there's you're, you're just in removing that bureaucracy of having to pass through the UK so 
um, with the increased ferry, ferry sales directly from Ireland to the EU markets, I suppose a lot of companies have maybe shifted their their focus towards going direct to that market rather than the UK land bridge. Look, if, if we just maybe back to the global perspective for a moment, like I suppose in the Southern Hemisphere, they're into their the real swing of production system, so they are. How is that trade looking for this year? Like we've seen difficulties in Australia over the past year. New Zealand, you mentioned about the shift of where they're supplying, but the overall lamb crop on it. Where is that at at the moment, Seamus? <coughs> well, overall, as you said, there was a decline there in what New Zealand had to export in 2020, and, and that worked obviously to our benefit. Um, <clears throat> and they they are not expected to get back to that, uh, to, to sort of pre levels in this year either. Um, they, they had quite a poor lamb crop, was back by 3 to 4%. Um, and then the, there's obviously some flock rebuilding going on. So it sort of limits then the availability sort of product that they have for, for export. And as we've already discussed, they, they've sort of redirected a lot of their products towards those, those Asian markets and away from the EU. Um, and then as we move into Australia, then their, their availability for export is expected to increase um, this year sort of as they come off the back of um, the impacts of drought and things. So they're, they are... Um, there's expected to be an increase in what they have to export this year. Um, but they are primarily focused, you know, in the Middle East, South Africa, China. Um, they don't really send much into the European market. Um, but but obviously there's there's some growth expected there in, in what they're offering. I suppose another key key area in terms of the impact on the global thing would be sort of the Middle East and North Africa. They would they would import a lot of live sheep and also sheep meat. Um, they a lot of what they they use sheep meat as in um, food service and tourism, and obviously that was badly impacted this year due to sort of COVID restrictions. Um, so the, there is expected to be a recovery now in, in the demand from that market this year, um, for both live imports and for and for meat, um, uh, and and to take us back maybe not to twenty nineteen levels, but but definitely an, an improvement, and that'll have an impact on the on the global sheep meat trade because they're they're a big importer. Look, when we talk about developing markets. The States was, it's there, we've been talking about it for a while, its potential um, as a market for Irish lamb. Um, yeah, the, the, the US, like for the size of it, has quite a very, quite a small um, production base for lamb. It's, it's not what, uh, it's not one of their key their key proteins. I think they only produced 66,000 tonne of lamb last year in, in total. Now it is, there is growing demand for lamb in the US, um, it's it's coming off uh, it's coming off quite a low base. I think consumption is looking at about half a kilo or so. Um, now it is a, a high value import market, and they're currently importing a lot of what they they do from Australia and New Zealand. But it definitely has opportunities for us if we can just get our, our foot in the door. Um, there's a few technical issues I think stopping access at the minute, but that's what, what, what we're working on. But um, hopefully if we can just get her in. You know we have a very good story to sell in, in terms of our grass um, our grass fed and. and you know, you know, everything Irish sells well in America. Look, any other potential markets going in that would be a high value one to get into as well. So hopefully we like look forward to seeing developments on it. Look, if I just put you over back over something else, and it brings us into our markets back at the moment, and particularly from this stage of the year on, we talked about carcass, so it's been back half a kilo, maybe less heavy lambs coming into it, which can be potentially a challenge for the market this time of the year. That response to price issue, we've seen a drop in that, carcass with but supplying in spec lambs has an impact on where we can sell the lamb to and what we can do with it maybe just james you refresh some of the kind of key 
targets we need to be hitting in that and its importance. Yeah, uh, Calgary is probably the one of the one of the biggest ones. You know, um, it impacts the size of the cuts, and then obviously the markets in that you can go into with those with those cuts. Like producing an inspect lamb, basically when it goes into the into the process and plant, it can be used then to service any um, potential customer. You're just very more limited with your sort of market outlets for your heavy lamb. So um, most of the markets, um, like the supermarkets there, it does vary over the year, but you're talking like 18 to 22 kilos for your supermarket spec for your lamb. The butchers may be a wee bit heavier. And, and our key export markets have a very similar sort of um, request in terms of carcass weight, you know, like 22 kilos, 23 kilos is their, is their cutoff in terms of carcass weight. Um, and, and at a particular time of the year, it could be 21 kilos. Um, and then some of our other markets, you know, Belgium and Germany have a, are looking for an even lighter carcass. So, so carcass weight is a big one, and um, I suppose there's 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 other things that need to be considered as well. I suppose quality assurance is, is one of them. Um, there at the minute about just about sixty percent of the lamb that we process is, is quality assured, um, but there is growing demand for that to be to be increased. Um, our domestic market and um, specifications from the customers are looking for quality assured, one hundred percent quality assured in most cases, and the, and the export market at the minute. Um, are now coming back and asking, you know, we have quality assured beef, why can we not have quality assured lamb as well? Um, and I suppose just about we have we, we need we, we need quality assurance to just help build the identity of Irish lamb on our on our key markets. And you know, there is an appetite for quality assurance in, in some of them key key markets because it, it sort of proves the credentials of, of Irish product and means we can market it a lot better. It it'll help open more doors. Yeah, exactly, and, and keep the existing doors open. You know, the customers are going to be increasingly asking for sustainability and, and traceability and things, and, and the quality assurance can stand over that. And, and having that logo on it, it does does open doors for for our products. Look, uh, I'm I'm just conscious of time with you too, James. But I suppose one of the positive stories of last year was the increase in demand domestically, and you know, maybe a, a renewed interest in lamb um, during 2020. Yeah, there was. I suppose um, lamb of all the proteins would be the most heavily reliant on the food service sector. Um, I think about forty five percent, I think, of our lamb sold domestically went through went through food service. So obviously, closure of of COVID um, due to COVID or whatever obviously had the had the potential to have the biggest impact on lamb. So um, it was very encouraging to see the growth in in retail sales. Now to, to sort of counteract some of that, now it didn't it didn't um, cover all of the make up all of the ground maybe lost by, by food service, but it certainly helped. So I think overall our spend on lamb increased by 95% last year uh, and, and volume was up, I think, by about 4%. So it is encouraging and there's, you know, lamb visibility on the supermarket shelves has, has improved. You know, I've seen it a lot, you know, um, when I've been in a few of the different retailers. And um, there's also been an increase maybe in the number of people, side increase in the number of buying lamb and their weight of purchase and things have increased. So so they're all very, very positive trends. It's just about, um, continue maybe to, to, to supply a, a consistent product maybe um, that meets the needs of the, the customers and then that, that relates back to you know to your to, to producing lambs that are the right spec and the right carcass weight like hopefully look what we'll see is look one of the challenges we know we have in the sector is getting younger people eating hopefully the past 12 months if it did end for us it will have introduced more of them to you know the quality product that it is yeah, yeah that, that's it and hopefully everyone was at home and mommy was teaching them how to cook it <laughs> very good um, Look, maybe just to finish up with you, Seamus, like overall the outlook for 2021, I suppose from production or price or export prospects, where do you see it going? And I know a little bit of this is crystal ball gazing, but 
Um, yeah, yeah, coming, coming across we'll this get, whole we'll, just get, we'll, we'll just get your insights as a wrap up to it. Yeah. Well, well, production wise, anyway, there, there's expected to be a reduced carry carryover of Hoggets into um, into 2021. As I said, there was there was a, an extra week's kill last year. There is um, which took lambs out of the system. Then there's the reduced imports in Northern Ireland, and then there there was the surge sort of or the the earlier killing of lambs and the and the summer months and the, the contribution of all the them. Plus the, the higher levels of your lamb retention have all sort of contributed maybe to, to a decline in the hoggard carryover of maybe eighty to ninety thousand is, is what we're sort of looking at. Um, uh, now I suppose then production wise longer term then um, we we've seen a reduction in yo kill we've seen more yo lambs being retained um, and then you've seen reports in the press of higher scanning rates being uh, recorded. So. Um, you know, look, looking further down the line, we're expecting increased supplies of lambs um, um, come, coming on. Now, price prospects, I, 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 I'm never really comfortable predicting price, but the trade's um, expected to stay strong. It's, it's a very supply and demand-driven market, and, and supplies are expected to remain tight in quarter one, so that will hopefully help maintain a flow under the prices. Um, I suppose... One of the big things that maybe could impact our price is sort of the, the, the amount of product that New Zealand is, is sending into the EU and at the minute and how much it's redirecting it to China. Um, so it's any shift in that has the potential to sort of impact the, the trade. Um, Easter, then also Easter, and one of the Muslim festivals, Ramadan, both occur in early April, um, which I suppose is, is expected to give sort of a peak in uh, a peak in demand for lamb, which will help keep a floor under prices. Um, but overall, like the, the lamb trade is, is very much driven by supply and demand, and, and that'll be the key drivers in, in the price for next year. Um, Export-wise, as I said, China's the, the key the key driver in the global sheep meat market, so the amount that they take off the global market will have an impact for ourselves. Um, in terms of our priorities, I suppose it's just about... Um, uh, looking at the EU primarily because it's, it's our closest and our most important market and, and there has been opportunities there um, just due to lower imports um, lower imports, lower production and then the the, law, the decline in the UK is sort of what their offering is to the EU um, and, that, and that further expected decline next year um, on the international scale then we're, we'll continue to work at, at access in China and the US they're probably two or two sort of a our key focus is, is getting product into, I suppose, China just because it opens, as well as the demand in the Chinese market, it opens um, opportunities in other Asian markets as well. And then the US, because it, there is growing demand for lamb there. James, certainly is changing times in the sector. Look, thanks. You went through a lot there for us in that episode, so you have. Um, we're going to try and get you back on maybe later in the year. We'll have a recap of how some of these things have impacted trade. Yeah, that's no problem at all. Thanks very much. Okay, we're going to finish things up at this point. Again, it's been a busy 12 months in the sheep meat trade and it looks promising for the months to come and opportunities for the sector. I'd like to thank Seamus again for giving up his time to be with us and going through so much detail on the world markets, domestic markets and where he sees trade going for the coming 12 months. That's it for me for this episode. Again, for any updates from the sheep programme, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chalk Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and listen in to any of our episodes.